Right now, sir, I cannot see supporting Lane Hansen. How old are you? Uh, me, I'm 28. And uh, at that age and experience, you think you're the one to sit and judge Mrs. Hansen? That's the whole point, isn't it? Uh, I am. Sir. Uh, it's one thing to break ranks and vote against my candidate, but to actively attack her from the bench, that's another. Mr. President, I just don't believe in Lane Hansen. I, I cannot and shall not vote for a candidate simply because she's a woman. I am nothing if I do not follow my heart, sir. I envy you. I do. You know why? Because someday, years from now, you're going to come in here with your family and you're going to look up at my painting and you'll be able to say to them, your kids and your grandkids, that way back then, I defied my president. It cost me my re-election, kept me out of politics forever. I was on the track to maybe one day end up here, destined to make the kind of changes in this country that only great men, given the right time and place, can make. And I have none of that now, but that's okay. Because I did what was in my heart. The heart. It can never be wrong, can it, Mr. Webster? Hi, everybody. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Started with that clip from uh, from uh, the contender. Another example of. Uh, what I think this this ha- is what we're seeing. I'm just looking for the words. Uh, another example of what we're seeing in in politics today. It's so divided. It's so divided that nobody nobody uh, can can uh, make a decision based on the person. It's always the party. There's no there's there's no common sense. Nobody can think for themselves. And I had a uh, I had a conversation with a family member. And uh, this past week about politics, and you know, I, I'll tell you this: the reason I use that that uh, song after the movie clip, I saw the light from Todd Rundgren, and because I saw the light, I saw a little bit. You know, I I intended to have a conversation with this person to enlighten this person about how they should see things, and this person showed me how she saw things, and. I saw the light of how people see how how people see the world, how they see what's going on, and uh, you know, and it's, you know, I, I always used to do seminars, and I'd say, you know what, you're teaching people to do what you do, and in the in the process, who learns more, the student or the teacher? And most of the time, it's the teacher because in teaching the student something, you learn something about yourself, you learn something about about how people how people see things. So I know I'm getting I'm I'm getting confused, but I will tell you in. What happened in the last two months with Kavanaugh, there's most people in this country don't pay attention. They don't pay attention. They're, t- they're more concerned with the Dodgers in the, in the World Series uh, than the stuff that, really ma- that stuff that really matters to their lives. And they don't really recognize how these little things affect their lives. But, you know, I, I saw I, I heard a comment from this person said, well, it all depends on who you believe. And she went on to to quote some of the things that she hears on the internet, on Facebook, on uh, stuff that came from CNN, where they're they're taking things out of context and giving a uh, you know not giving a full picture of some of the things that Trump said or that were said during the Kavanaugh. And you know what? Uh, 
it made me realize it made me realize how people how people see things and it's not fair to make judgments based based on the way we see them with little clips and little you know I'm, I play a clips here but I try to give it everything to you in context and you don't know if I'm doing that and just like you don't know if you know what I left out or how I clipped it or how I'm putting a spin on it but you don't know how CNN is doing that. You don't know how people on the internet are doing it, on Facebook and all this stuff. And it's not really fair for anybody to make a judgment if you're not paying attention. And uh, well, you know what? I just you know they, they everyone looks at looks at how we treated uh, uh, Christine Blasey Ford. Um, you know, hey, we're, it's not a question of of saying she's a liar or or dis or discounting any of the things she said happened to her. It just none of it, none of it can be corroborated, and you got to look at both sides. And here you've got a, a Brett Kavanaugh who is being accused of something he says absolutely never happened. And hey, we gave we gave uh, his accuser her her full day in front of in front of the cameras in front of the Senate. Everybody just talked about how credible she was, except for all the people she said would corroborate her her evidence. And there's just no there's just nothing that can say there's any truth to this. And you know what? Uh, as Scott and I went on on the air last week, um, Susan Collins was speaking, and we talked about how yeah we saw her. She's saying why she voted yes, but then we came into the studio. We didn't have a chance to to watch it because she came on right as we were starting to record. And I had a a listener uh, send me an email about hey you know what you you didn't even give her any any give her due. Well, we didn't give her a view because her due because I didn't watch it before that. We just saw the first couple of minutes of it and came into the studio. Um, and I think Susan Collins in her in her uh, in her speech kind of capsulized what uh, what. What I what I'm trying to say is, you know that hey, you got to look at both sides, and we see it like this, and we see it like this, but let's not just make a judgment based on you know, hey, she had all these witnesses, and none of them remember the night, none of them, you know, hey, she left so abruptly, and there's not one person that called to say, hey, you know what, are you okay? There's not one person that called and said, hey, I drove you home that night. I remember. There's not one person. The people she said absolutely would remember it. Don't even know Brett Kavanaugh. Don't remember that night. So anyway, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that in a little bit more detail. But I will tell you that I still have an open mind, okay? I'm a pretty opinionated person, in, in case that's news to you. I'm very opinionated. I know, I, know what, I know what I've accomplished in my life, and I know what kind of uh, advantages I started out with, and that's none. And, and I know, to, to me, America's land of opportunity because – Somebody with me that came from a family with no money and from a dad who gave me an example of what I didn't want to be in my life and and just did it all myself. Um, if I can do it, anybody can do it. And it's just a matter of hard work and dedication and determination and tenacity. And you can be anything you want to be. And I just don't want to hear anybody's lame excuses. So, but with that... Um, I still have an open mind and I can still see the light when somebody, uh, when somebody will give me their view and, and I think about it. I watch CNN sometimes and I watch MSNBC sometimes just to see the other side. And I listen to, I watch all that stuff on Facebook and I consider it 
and then I research it and uh, and and we all talk about it before we put our shows together and and I try to be as as clear and honest and in context as I can. So, but before I go on, before I go on and go into detail, let me quickly introduce myself for those of you that are listening for the first time. My name is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender, located here in Southern California. Lending in California, Arizona, a couple weeks to Ohio, a couple more weeks to Texas, and then to Florida. Um, if you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, if you've been thinking about buying, if you've been thinking about refinancing, if you've been thinking about refinancing, you've been thinking about it too long because the rates have gone up significantly. They're still good. They're still good. Um, but just not like what we've seen in the last couple of years. And if you're looking to, and if you're thinking about buying buy now, it's a buyer's market. There's great opportunities out there, but first call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. If you don't want to talk to me on the phone, uh, you want to start off with uh, being kind of uh, kind of anonymous and send me uh, send it to me on the computer, go to wccloans.com, click on looking for a loan, apply now, put in as much information as you want, Tell me how much information you want back, and you'll hear back from me or one of my teammates, Eric Marquez, Alex Rojas, Cody Bradbury, and or Aaron Fredericks, and we will help you find the missing pieces of the puzzle of your real estate financing puzzle. Uh, if you want to hear the show, any part of the show repeated, edhoffman.net, click on the podcast page, or you can get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, and you can subscribe for free. Uh, social media, just search for me. Uh, I want to get I want to get to what we're talking about. So uh, again, 855-640-20. 20. If you want, oh, last, if you want to make any comments on anything I said today, wait till after the show. And 855 640 2092 is our listener hotline. You can leave leave comments. A lot of you guys are, uh, instead of leaving comments, you're sending me emails or, or doing it. I can't play your voice if you don't give me your voice. Maybe that's on purpose. Okay. So anyway, but, uh, but I do read all, I do read all the comments and I do hear all the messages and uh, some of them come in. You're calling from a cell phone, and don't have a good. So if you don't haven't heard your message, um, sometimes they're just not clear or they just don't. They just don't. I don't not play them because they're bad. I don't. I only not play them because they don't fit. Um, anyway, so let's talk about. So as I said, Susan Collins voted to confirm Brett Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court. Um, they voted, she was the deciding vote. Well, I don't know if she's deciding vote, but her, her and uh, Lisa Murkowski and, uh, and Joe Manchin, who's a Democrat were the swing votes because they, because Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, Susan Collins of Maine. And, uh, and then they often vote with the Democrats and Joe Manchin of West Virginia often, who's a Democrat often votes with the Republicans. Um, so, uh, Lisa Murkowski tried to play on both sides by on the fence of saying, Kavanaugh's a good man, but not the right man for the Supreme Court. Hmm. Well, number one, you're not the one to make that decision because the president makes the decision if you're the right man. You're supposed to. De- you're just supposed to uh, decide if you're a good man. So if she said he's a good man, that means she must have not believed the accusations from uh, Dr. Ford uh, made. So where did she? She's trying to say he's a good man to appease the Republicans, but he's not the right man for the Supreme Court. I think Lisa Murkowski needs to get voted out. And I hear rumors that maybe we're going to see a challenge from her, uh, to her in 2022 by Sarah Palin, which would be awesome. Um, but Susan Collins voted, voted along, and she made a 43-minute speech on the Senate floor. 
and uh, by saying what we've been thinking for the past month, that the left had planned to oppose Trump's nominee no matter who it was. Let me play a piece of it. The president nominated Brett Kavanaugh on July 9th. Within moments of that announcement, special interest groups raced to be the first to oppose him, including one organization that didn't even bother to fill in the judge's name on its pre-written press release. They simply wrote that they opposed Donald Trump's nomination of XX to the Supreme Court of the United States. A number of senators joined the race to announce their opposition, but they were beaten to the punch by one of our colleagues who actually announced opposition before the nominee's identity was even known. Yeah, it's just it, this is part of the Democrat playbook. They don't care. And I've said it before. If they nominated Abraham Lincoln to the Supreme Court, if they nominated Jesus Christ to the Supreme Court, they would have said there's something wrong with this guy just because Trump nominated him. And, uh, you know, and, and part of the Democrat playbook is if all else fails, accuse someone of sexual assault or being a racist. And it, it brings up this little clip from the movie Contender. What have you got on a distinguished gentleman from Illinois? Some pretty good stuff, actually. Um, yeah. SEC investigation, 1985. You got stocks? I want something embarrassing! Something sexual! Little boys, midgets, that sort of thing. Cows, I don't give a damn. Yeah, that's kind of how the, how the comments go in the Democrat playbook is, hey, we don't have any way to keep this guy from being on the Supreme Court. Let's come up with something. Let's come up with something. And that and the and Susan Collins' comments about this stuff came out. They had this stuff pre-written. They don't know who he was going to nominate. And you know who they're who they're looking for is is they're they're made they're they're mad that President Obama uh, nominated Merrick Garland to take Kennedy's place, um, or actually to take uh, to take uh, Antonin Scalia's place um, in the last half of the year last year. Um, when Antonin Scalia passed away and the Republicans didn't vote on him because, hey, we're in the last part of, a, you know, we're in the lame duck uh, session of the uh, of the president. We're getting ready to nominate a new president. We don't we don't put a new new nominee in. We don't confirm a new ju- justice at that part of a president's uh, a term because we're ready to put new leadership in there. Let the new guy pick theirs. So whether that would have been Hillary Clinton or whether it would have been Donald Trump, let the new guy do it. So they're mad, but Brett Kavanaugh worked with with uh with Merrick Garland, who was Obama's, and Merrick Garland would have slid through unanimous and he went with Brett Kavanaugh who 93% of the time votes the same exact as Merrick Garland. So they made it they they made a big deal over it. it didn't matter who it was. What he'd voted, who, what he was about, they just, hey, Trump nominated him, we're just going to oppose it. And the problem is, they made such a big spectacle out of it, it didn't need to be this big of a deal, but it was. And that's where uh, the Democrats made such a, a big deal out of it. And they just basically destroyed this guy's life in the process. Collins continued her, uh, her speech by praising the fair judici- judicial record of Judge Kavanaugh. Judge Kavanaugh has received rave reviews for his 12-year track record as a judge, including for his judicial temperament. 
the American Bar Association gave him its highest possible rating. Its Standing Committee on the Federal Judiciary conducted an extraordinarily thorough assessment, soliciting input from almost 500 people, including his judicial colleagues. The ABA concluded that his integrity, judicial temperament, and professional competence met the highest standards. Yeah, then they then she shifted into talking about the sexual assault hoax that contaminated Kavanaugh's nomination process. Despite all this, after weeks of reviewing Judge Kavanaugh's record and listening to 32 hours of his testimony, the Senate's advice and consent role was thrown into a tailspin following the allegations of sexual assault by Professor Christine Blasey Ford. The four witnesses she named could not corroborate any of the events of that evening gathering where she says the assault occurred. None of the individuals Professor Ford says were at the party has any recollection at all of that night. Now she go if you hear the whole whole speech and if you go onto YouTube and just look at uh, Susan Collins' speech on the Senate, it's forty three minutes long. It's it, she goes into detail of she met with uh, with Kavanaugh for two hours in her office. She read all his all his uh, his uh, judicial opinions and everything he's written up. She she researched him. She talked to him for another hour on the phone, and she put. The time in, she did her job. She did what every senator should do. She did, if if all the Democrats would have given him the same, the same fair look as she did, we would have had a unanimous, unanimous, uh, uh, it would have been 100 to zero, or maybe 95 to five, the vote, because this guy's a Boy Scout. He's clean, he's fair, he's everything that we want in the, in the Supreme Court. Um, she also went in, she also goes into the, how, you know, Marilyn Kagan and, uh, and, uh, uh, Ginsburg and Sotomayor and, and how, and how, you know, for, uh, for Bill Clinton's nominee, um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and, and Obama's, uh, nominees, how they, they got the, the fair shake. And even though they were liberals, how the Republicans still supported them. And she goes into a pretty detailed, it's, it's really a good speech. For a person who's not very dynamic speaker, uh, was really a good speech. I and I really I would I'll say it's the first time in history I've ever been impressed by Susan Collins. She's not really someone who who uh, who impresses me. Uh, this time she did. I give her kudos. Collins spoke at length about the presumption of innocence and how denying it to a Supreme Court nominee is damaging to our democracy. Here's how she finished her speech. We've heard a lot of charges and counter charges about Judge Kavanaugh. But as those who have known him best have attested, he has been an exemplary public servant, judge, teacher, coach, husband, and father. Despite the turbulent bitter fights surrounding his nomination, my fervent hope is that Brett Kavanaugh will work 
to lessen the divisions in the Supreme Court so that we have far fewer 5-4 decisions and so that public confidence in our judiciary and our highest court is restored. Mr. President, I will vote to confirm Judge Kavanaugh. Thank you, Mr. President. You know what? Any of you that listen, any of you that said said this is a tragedy, or any of you that have friends or Facebook friends or anybody, you know what? Tell challenge them to listen to that speech and say, tell me, tell me where we went wrong with this guy. Because I just I thought it was eye opening and very uh, hey she's a woman she's a Republican she normally votes Democrat and she did the research she did the work that we should expect all of our senators and all of our all of our rep- House of Representatives uh, we should all our Congress people to do Susan Collins paying a big price for acting on her principles her aides estimated that her office has received three thousand coat hangers by mail throughout the past few weeks which is a reference to back alley abortion since the Democrats are leading people to believe that Kavanaugh will somehow reverse Roe versus Wade. Uh, despite the fact that he said he he considers that settled law. Um, and if you watched uh, Diane Feinstein uh, ask her every time she got the, the mic during that confirmation hearing, that's all she asked for. Well, tell us about it being settled law. Just, oh, I gotta, you said this before, but let me ask you again, even though she had the, uh, she, she had, possession of the letter from uh, Christine Blasey Ford and was waiting for it to dump it on at the last minute to delay it. Uh, Her staff confirmed that Collins has received numerous emails and voicemails featuring vulgar language and death threats. One caller told a 25-year-old female staff member who answered the phone that he hoped she would be raped and impregnated because she worked for Collins. You know what? This isn't right. This isn't right. You know what? People, People are just so so angry and just so uncivilized and it's and and I hate to point it out and be be biased but the republicans aren't doing this the republican you know sometimes uh don and I we talk about it she goes how come the republicans aren't doing anything cuz we're trying to be civilized we're trying to be civilized and do it the right way and not not lash out and the people that and those of us that are thinking that we hear trump say the stuff that he says and he's only saying saying what we think already a little bit more civilized than what we're saying it, but a lot more brash than what we're used to president saying. So that's why people get it the wrong way. Groups dressed in red robes and white bonnets, uh, the costumes shown to uh, uh, that the to make to make it look like the the show The Handmaid's Tale. It's a Netflix show that basically uh, pushes pushes the the roles of men and women back to the uh, caveman days. Apparently, have been demonstrated outside the center's home in Bangor, Maine. Liberal advocacy groups in Maine have raised more than $3 million they claim will be donated to a Democrat challenging Collins in 2020. The speculation is that that Democrat will be none other than Obama National Security Director Susan, blame blame Benghazi on the video, Rice. CNN's Dana Bash asked Collins to comment, and it sounds like she's ready for the fight. Her family has a home in Maine, but they don't. She doesn't live in the state of Maine. Everybody knows that. But the irony is, back in 2009, when she was nominated to be ambassador of the UN, she came to me, even though I did not know her back then at all, and pleaded with me to introduce her before the committee, which I was happy to do because her family had links to the state of Maine. 
That sounds like the beginning of a campaign speech, but I won't, I won't ask you. Well, it sounds like, uh, you know, hey, think about this. A Democrat, Susan Rice, wants to be uh, introduced by, by, Su- by Susan Collins, and she's got some connection to Maine through her family, and she goes, hey, will you introduce me? And she goes, and you know what? If a, if a Republican asks a Democrat that, the Democrats say, nah, I don't think so. I don't want to be. And Susan Rice and Susan Collins said, okay, I'll, 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 be, I'll do that. I'll do that for you. I'm, you know, it's called civility. And after we, after we come back from the break, we're going to talk about how the civility works. Um, and so thanks to thanks to Susan Collins and and the other swing voter I didn't uh, I didn't mention Jeff Flake, who's Jeff Flake is senator from Arizona, who's basically quitting because he doesn't like President Trump, and so he basically quit uh, being senator. So he's not running for reelection, and he even voted. Uh, for Kavanaugh did the did the fair thing, and uh, so they earned they earned uh, 50 votes. Well, actually earned uh, was 50 to 48. Um, was it yeah 50 to 48? Uh, all the all the Republicans except for Murkowski voted yes, and all the Democrats said no except for uh, Joe Manchin. And then Murkowski canceled her vote because there was a there was a Republican uh, in Montana who couldn't be there to to cast his vote, so she canceled hers to can't to to offset that. Hey, anyway, don't go away. we got five minutes of commercials, traffic, weather, sports, and we'll be right back with part two of the main event. Don't go away. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation. I don't uh, talk about finance or, uh, or mortgages on the, on the show very much. Because I know you guys think it's boring if you're not in the market, but if you hear someone that thinks like you and you need some financing, if you want to buy a house, if you want to reverse mortgage, if you want to refinance, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And one last time, 855-640-2020. But you know, right on that subject, uh, if you guys are wondering why the rates have, have taken such a significant jump. As of the beginning of this month, is uh, the uh, the Federal Reserve stopped buying mortgage-backed securities, which they've been doing for the last several years, in order to keep the uh, the market more stable. So when things got bad, they got didn't get as bad, and when things got good, they didn't they didn't go out of you know it still helped them still helped them amplify that a little bit. So it was a, made made the bond market a little better. So this is more like how the market is supposed to be. And rates aren't supposed to be zero, and they're not supposed to be one. They're not supposed to be two. But as the economy gets better, rates get better because not only are you are we paying higher rates on loans, but we're getting higher rates on our savings accounts. I don't have that much in the bank because mine's in other places, but uh, so I haven't really I don't really pay attention to uh, uh, savings and CD CD uh, rates. So I better should should check so I can give you a report on that as the rates go up. But uh, but yeah, so it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. Um, but life is still good anyway. If the world, if the world gives you lemons, make lemonades. So, uh, anyway, uh, we've been talking about in the first half, the Susan Collins speech about the Brett Kavanaugh, um, confirmation. And, um, so he was sworn in Saturday morning and I think president Trump signed him in on air force one, uh, on his way to wherever he was going. I don't remember, but president Trump held a ceremonial swearing in at the white house East room on Monday night. All the sitting judges were in attendance, plus many Republican figures from the White House and Senate. When Justice Kavanaugh made his remarks, he spoke like a public servant is supposed to. Maybe the Democrats could learn something from him. 
The Senate confirmation process was contentious and emotional. That process is over. My focus now is to be the best justice I can be. I take this office with gratitude and no bitterness. On the Supreme Court, I will seek to be a force for stability and unity. My goal is to be a great justice for all Americans and for all of America. Just about as inspirational as you would expect a Supreme Court justice to be. Uh, but you know what? Uh, his words, his words, even though they didn't sound that exciting and dynamic, they're fair, and that's what Supreme Court justice is supposed to be. My wife made comments about, hey, you know what? Look at his family standing there. His wife is such a soothing figure. She, she looks like she's very supportive and... You know, and and made a comment about she go. Then so I'm going to put Don's prediction. His oldest daughter, who looks like she's about 12 or 13, she goes. She's going to be a judge. She's going to follow in her dad's footsteps. Looks just like him, and just the way she. And apparently, the kids were taking the next day off of school to sit in the the Supreme Court and listen to uh, decisions being made and argued, argued. And uh, so we're going to look back at this in 20 years. And see if John, if Don was right, and see if she's a, see if she's a judge. Maybe it won't be 20 years from now. So anyway, during the ceremonial swearing in on Monday night, President Trump publicly apologized to the Kavanaugh family for what they were put through during the process. On behalf of our nation, I want to apologize to Brett and the entire Kavanaugh family for the terrible pain and suffering you have been forced to endure. Our country, a man or a woman must always be presumed innocent unless and until proven guilty. I think this was a uh, very presidential, very human, a very Christian gesture because there was no reason for this guy to have been have been destroyed in the in the court of public opinion like this. You know, there there's one thing that people people get get ugly about you know, being called a racist, being called a child molester, being called, you know, and, you know, being a sexual, uh, a sexual predator is, is nothing that anybody takes lightly. And here's a guy who's lived, who's lived a, a very fair and honorable life. And, uh, to have somebody throw this at him in, uh, you know, in the, in the, in the media, the way they did and to portray him like this, like he's some kind of a monster to where, you know what? Every Democrat voted no against this guy. Who could they vote yes to? If they if there's not one Democrat that will vote for this for this guy besides uh, Joe Manchin, who would they vote yes to? I don't know. I don't know. So rather than give the new Supreme Court uh, court justice any positive attention after this ordeal, the media has chosen to make Trump's apology the only highlight from the swearing in of Brett Kavanaugh. Here's a reaction on CNN and PMS NBC. He uses a faux swearing in of a Supreme Court justice who has been sworn in prior to last evening uh, as a platform to go after the white male vote. Usually a president is healing in that moment and and apologizing to to Kavanaugh on behalf of the nation. It just it felt again like like sort of a a Trump orchestrated political event. This is what power looks like. This is what power looks like. Republicans have the power to do this and they did it. They timed it so that so that more people would be watching, more people would be home and paying attention to it. Uh, and it was a it was you know in part a campaign ad by the by the president. You know what? He says it like this is a problem. You had the power to do it, so they did it. 
they made a ceremony in prime time where people would see it. Why not? Why not? The, the Supreme Court confirmation should have not been a big deal. It should have been something that went on during the day that some people watched on C-SPAN and some people watched and there was a little discussion of it and it should have been a quick, easy, this guy's a Boy Scout, ask a few questions, do this, and let this guy be on the Supreme Court. He's qualified, clearly. And instead, they, they filleted him in front of everybody. What, why, why wouldn't, what is wrong with the fact that Trump wanted to, to apologize to him on behalf of the people of this country and because he shouldn't have had to go through that. And they did it during prime time. Why is that? He, they say it like it was a sneaky, dirty trick they did. And say, why, why is this appealing to the white male vote? The white male vote. Is that, well, you know, white males don't care about women. We don't care about black people. We don't care about Asian people. And we don't care about LGBT people. That's just a, it's saying, hey, it's okay to do anything. Because, you know, Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh wasn't wasn't proved to have done anything. And why are why do they put it out like this? You know, it's hey, see the light of how like I see the light of how the other side sees things. But you know, people see things the way they see because they don't look at everything and they don't think about it. Take my opinion and think about it. And if it doesn't make sense, if it doesn't make sense, then tell me. And if it does make sense, and you go, well, I don't really know what Ed's not telling us. Check it out for yourself. Don't listen to the little clips. Listen to that whole speech from Susan Collins. Check out, check, do some research and find out if, if any of this stuff makes sense to you. And think about if this was your son or if this was your husband or if this is, uh, you know, your your brother. You know, was it fair to him? And if uh, and if uh, Christine Blasey Ford was your sister and that was your brother-in-law or or somebody, you know what? Try to see both sides. And I think you're going to agree with Susan Collins. And you know, you're not going to, and you're going to start seeing how the left portrays this, how the media portrays this. Then it's, then in comes uh, Hillary Clinton. She can't stand not being part of our government anymore. In an interview with uh, CNN's Christian Amanpour, she chimed in on everything. One of them was, was, of course, the swearing in of Brett Kavanaugh. What was done last night in the White House was a political rally. It further undermined the image and integrity of the court. Um, and that troubles me greatly. It saddens me. It undermined the integrity of the court because he, because he swore him in ceremonially on prime time, because he apologized to him for being filleted in the media. Why, why is that? You know, boo-hoo. You know, the... the, the I don't, I don't understand what, uh, I, I don't understand what we're, uh, what Hillary's trying to get at. The reporter asked Trump to react to Hillary's comment. I guess that's why she lost. She doesn't get it. She never did. I knew that a long time ago. Hillary never got it. That's why she lost. Yeah, she doesn't get it. She understand. she doesn't understand how people really feel. She hasn't, they, she doesn't understand how people really live. You know, this is one of the one of the things that I like about Trump is is you know they talk about uh, first world problems and third world problems and say you know what hey oh man my Corvette is low on gas hey a first world problem okay so you know and Trump lives in a, Trump lives in a different world than what we live in just like the all the most of the the 
politicians and the movie stars and that you know you if you if you can work for six weeks on a movie and get 20 million dollars which is as much as most people make in their lifetime and then they go do it again and they you know they don't understand how people work hard to make ends meet and to pay their bills and to save a little bit at a time they're in a different world Trump, on the other hand, has seems to see things at, at a ground level. And and when you heard his kids speak at the convention, talk about how how, uh, you know, they that, you know, uh, I think it was uh, Donnie Jr. said those guys, those guys can can operate in the in the in the Trump Towers and they can operate on the seat of a John Deere tractor, too, because they know how to do it because he he put them on the work site and taught them, let them learn from the from the guys that build these buildings and do all this stuff and and kept them grounded as to to real people. And I like that. I like that. I like to think that, you know, I tell, I tell, uh, tell my clients when we're doing loans, say, Hey, I do this a thousand times, a thousand times a year. You're going to do it three or four times in your life. So I don't expect you to understand at my level. So if you've got questions, ask them, there's no dumb questions. And I try to teach my, my loan officers and my people that work with the people say, Hey, I understand they don't work. They don't live in our world. They don't let, so sometimes you got to say, this is the reason that they do this is because this or because this, because this, you have to, you have to, you have to see things through other people's eyes so you can relate to them and make them feel comfortable. So they understand what's going on at, at a higher level that they don't live in the finance world. We do. Let's talk to them like that. We don't live in the, in the gazillionaire world, like, like Trump's and, and all the other big, uh, uh, movie stars and TV stars and singing stars. They don't live in our world. We don't live in their world. And sometimes they just think that they're smarter than us because they have more money. And, uh, you know, hey, they were born with a singing voice. They're, vo- they're born with whatever. And they have a talent to do that. Don't lose sight of the rest of the country isn't them. The rest of the country is us. All right. So uh, let me see where I left off here. Um, so back to Christina Amanpour's interview. Uh, she asked Hillary, do you see any way we can try to get back to some civility? The party's not trying to destroy destroy each other over their differences. Listen to what she says. Well, certainly I would love to see us return to civility, listening to one another, uh, working out our differences. That is not the Republican Party that exists today, and that is certainly not the administration that we have in power right now. You cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for, what you care about. That's why I believe if we are fortunate enough to win back the House and or the Senate, that's when civility can start again. But until then, the only thing that the Republicans seem to recognize and respect is strength. Unbelievable. When the when the Democrats get back in power, that's when civility can start again. Wait, I don't understand that. I don't understand that. Um, the 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 Republicans want to destroy things that we all stand for. Well, what do we all stand for? America was 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 founded on hard work. People want people want people want to work hard to get their own rewards. People want to be able to worship how they worship. People want to be able to say what they think. People, you know, they we separated from England because people didn't want to be controlled by government. That's what we stand for. And the government mandating who gets this and who gets that and who, hey, we're going to take all your money from you because it's not fair to this person who doesn't work as hard as you. You know, 
you don't realize, hey, you think, hey, they're making sure everybody's taken care of. No, they're making sure you're all controlled. The more you depend on the government, the less control you have of your own life. Keep that, keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Don't listen to Hillary Clinton's BS because, well, you know what? That's not the Republican Party. That's not the administration that's in, in power. You know, they don't, they think they can just uh, ignore everything we stand for. No, you guys are trying to, trying to use those words to take control of, the, of America and all the people. But Hillary Clinton isn't content to only show up on TV. She and Bill want you to see them in person. And they want you to pay big money to do it. So the Clintons, the Clintons are about to embark on a 13-city speaking tour that kicks off November 18th. Uh, those of you that attend will not be seeing me there. Titled an evening with President Bill Clinton and former Secretary of State Hillary Rodham Clinton, the talks will focus on stories of inspiring anecdotes that shape their historic careers in public service, while also discussing issues of the day and looking toward the future. Of course, I didn't see anywhere where it's going to include a question and answer, because I'd love to see that, because maybe some Republicans would show up so they could call them on the carpet for the inspirational public service stuff that they do, like help collect money for Haiti, and the money never got there. It went to the Clinton Foundation, and then it disappeared, $80 gazillion. So the tour is organized by Live Nation, the same promoter behind Michelle Obama's current speaking tour. Uh, I didn't realize Obama, the Michelle Obama had a speaking tour. There anybody want to go listen to her. But apparently she's got a new book out. And uh, But ticket prices for the Clintons will range from $72 to $750. That's not StubHub price. That's purchase price if you want to go listen to the Clintons blow smoke up your butt. So, uh, you know, and tell you tell you about how great they are and how wonderful they are and what all they've done for you. Uh, but mostly all they've done is enrich themselves. Can somebody please explain how Brett Kavanaugh's life was almost destroyed over allegations of women who couldn't produce any witnesses or even say where they were where they were attacked? But a predator like Bill Clinton is still able to go on a speaking tour and make money in 2018. You know what? Let's let's remind everybody. People didn't weren't alleging Bill Clinton had sexual improprieties. There was DNA evidence on Monica Lewinsky's dress. Scientific evidence beyond the shadow of a doubt, but beyond any argument, this guy was having uh, sex in the Oval Office while he was president. And some of you guys are going to go out there and spend hundreds of dollars to listen to him speak. But Pre- Brett Kavanaugh. Brett Kavanaugh uh, was alleged that he that he uh, did something that no one could corroborate in high school 36 years ago, and they tried to fillet him in the in the court of public opinion. I understand how that works. Um, one final comment from Hillary Clinton this week. It's not and it's not a surprising one. She still wants America to abolish the electoral college. I wonder why. Maybe because it didn't work for her. Here she is on with Anderson Cooper. Do you think the electoral college should be abolished? I said that in 2000 after what happened to uh, the 2000 election with Al Gore, that an anachronism that was designed for another time uh, no longer works if we've moved toward one person, one vote. I think it needs to be uh, eliminated. I'd like to see us move beyond it, yes. This was designed for another time and it no longer works. Well, it no longer works for her. But let's let's talk about why the Electoral College was designed. It was designed because uh, they wanted they didn't want the people on the coast, California and New York, to control the country for the entire country. So hey, we're going to give you more more power because California has much more people. So we have more electoral votes than Kansas does. But 
we're not going to say just because the people in California are packed in like sardines that that there's so many people here that we're going to overwhelm everywhere else in the country or New York. And that's where all the Democrats are, is California, New York. There's a few other places as well, but but think about that. If you eliminate, you know, they're talking about how Trump won the Electoral College, but Hillary won the popular vote. Well, if you eliminate California, because she won by about 2 million votes, but if you eliminate California and just don't take any of the, the Trump votes or, or any of the Hillary votes, if you take that out of the country, then Trump won by about 4 or 5 million votes. That's how many more people are in California and how many more dummies that, that still get the vote, how many more illegal aliens and how many Democrats that just don't pay attention and how many, even maybe Republicans that don't pay any attention that were, that were guilted into, well, you know what? You're uh you're, if you're a woman, you better vote for Hillary because you're, you're, I'm trying to think there's a, I think Madeline Albright said, said there's a special place in hell for a woman that doesn't support women. Meaning, if you were a woman and you didn't vote for Hillary, there was a special place in hell for you. Madeleine Albright was uh, Bill Clinton's uh, attorney general, I believe. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, could that have swayed any women? I think it probably did. I think it probably did. So, now let's let's talk about uh, some of the other stuff that, that popped up. Kanye West went to the went to the White House, had lunch. Okay? Kanye West had made it. We played his uh, little clip that they cut out of Saturday Night Live last last uh, week. And uh, and believe me, I am not a Kanye West fan. I am not a supporter of Kanye West. I don't like rap. And I don't think he's the most intelligent guy out there. He's done some stuff I thought was was juvenile. And I just, I'm just not pro Kanye West. But you know what? Here's a guy who's thinking for himself. He goes to the White House and he actually said something that I think was kind of inspirational. And he's talking about that, hey, some people look at the Make America Great hat and they say, make America great again. It was referring back to let's make it great again like when there was slaves. So the black people get get offended by that. When in actuality, he's talking about let's make America great again like before Obama when we when we uh, uh, left the borders open and we let the we stopped enforcing the laws and we, we got weak on our economy, we got weak on our military. He's not talking about back in the slavery days. But knowing that, he can't, uh, Kanye West is talking about, he's going to come out with hats to say, make America great and leave the again part on it. Listen to this comment he made. I would love to see at the Super Bowl, Trump wearing the make America great hat, Colin making, wearing the make America great and showing that we can bend a bit on this side. We can benefit on this side and we can learn how to be malleable in the infinite universe that we are and the loving beings that we are. That we don't have to stick to all traditions and that we are a side. We are one unit. We are one country. We are one moment in history and time. That was a inspirational, uniting comment that he make made and go back and listen to it again if you didn't hear it. Um, I'm going to run out of time, so I'm not going to play it again. But listen to how the media talked about this. Wow. Okay. I'm doing this for everybody who's watching us who turned their volume down. You can put it back up again. That but was if you think you're bonkers. going to get uh, a thoughtful play-by-play and political analysis, you're not. Because that was an assault on our White House. It was a combination of stream of consciousness. I felt like I was sitting in on a psychiatric visit and a commercial for Donald Trump. What I saw was a minstrel show today. Him in front of all of these white people, mostly white people, embarrassing himself and embarrassing 
Americans, but mostly African Americans. Wow. Wow. This was a minstrel show? Him in front of all these white people? Wait, who are the racists here? Is it Trump? Is it the Republicans? Or is it these Democrats on the uh, on CNN, the Communist News Network, or PMSNBC? These people, these these liberal people that are trying to make this into a race thing. Hey, here's a black guy that says, hey, these ideas help everybody. Let's make America great. And let's bring Colin Kaepernick, who's the... Uh, Who's the poster child for uh, for uh, for bitching about anything that Trump does and take and being disrespectful to the country in the in the uh, in the name of the black people that are being uh, being so mis- mistreated by America and the cops and the government and let's say hey let's make America great again together let's make America great hey we've got our side we've got your side but when when it all comes down to it we're one people. And what did they do with that? I mean, that was, to me, I heard that clip. I go, I, you know, I heard, I heard a whole bunch of what he said. And we clipped that one little part. I go, wow, that's a good clip. Now here, and then you hear what, how the, how the media uh, portrayed it. Let's listen to something that uh, Taylor Swift said on the American Music Awards a couple day, uh, a couple days ago. And I just wanted to make a, a mention of the fact that this award and every single award given out tonight were voted on by the people, and you know what else is voted on by the people? Is the midterm elections on November 6th. Get on and vote. I love you guys. And because Taylor Swift had made a made a uh, tweet about the local uh, the local um, candidates in uh, in Tennessee where she lives, and she's supporting the Democrat because she doesn't like the way how uh, how the the Republican uh, Marsha Blackburn voted on a couple things. So they're portraying this as a Democrat thing, a support of Democrats, and a gazillion people went out and and, uh, registered to vote, and they're playing this like she's some kind of hero. Anyway, keep your eyes open. See the light, everybody. I'm all out of time. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event, and I'll be back again with you next week. Expressed on this program are Ed Hoffman and his invited guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 01137747, NMLS nine eight seven three, and California Finance Lenders License Number six zero three K six one zero. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions. MB Number zero nine six one nine nine.